This is episode number 14 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Podcast. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's episode, I interview Jeff Layton from GrabFlies.com. Jeff talks about the Olympic Peninsula steelhead fishing, his new Infinity Quick Tips for Skagit Lines, Frank Moore, and the Fish Taco. We find out how he made a business at grabflies.com, talk about how he changes his fly color throughout the season, and the best OP river to begin on. So, without further ado, here's Jeff Layton from grabflies.com. How's it going, Jeff? It's going good, Dave. Good. Glad to be here. Good, good. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we, we've been uh, chatting a little bit here, trying to put this together, and I'm glad we're finally able to get on here because uh, I know you tie some some pretty good flies and you do a lot of steelhead fishing, so I think that's the, the two big things we're going to dig in today, just talk fly tying and steelhead fishing, if that sounds good to you. Yep, that's my life. <laughs> All right, there we go, that's perfect. Uh, so maybe you could just start us off with a little bit of where you uh, came from, how you got into fly fishing, and eventually steelhead fishing, and the whole and the whole grabflies dot uh, com thing. Yeah. Well, there's it's kind of like two periods of my life, but when I was in seventh grade, and uh, my parents moved to Bend, Oregon, and that's where I immediately started, uh, you know, fly fishing for trout, and Bend is you know a great area for that, and. Uh, about ninth, no, about eighth grade, I made my way to the uh, North Umpqua River. My dad took me there. <laughs> and, uh, the first year, no luck. Second year I went and I caught my first steelhead at the age of 14. And, uh, you know, compared to trout, that was a <laughs> amazing experience. And I've been hooked since. And then I, I fished the North Umpqua quite a bit. Um, I had a group of friends, you know, we're all young and we'd go out camping. We'd have one of the parents take us out. That's back in the days when you could, you know, take your young kids and drop them off in a campground and they'd be safe. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and that was all single hand rod stuff back then, of course. And that went on for quite a while. And then I kind of went away from fly fishing for a little bit and I was a windsurfer and had a <laughs> windsurf shop and, cool. um, kiteboarding and moved to Hawaii and then eventually made my way back here and, and ended up, um, Mossy Rock, Washington on the Collets river hmm. and, uh, started double hand spade casting there. And that's where grab fly started. Oh, cool. Cool. And what, what year was that when you got back to, uh, the Collets and all and, and into I mean, that? Well, I started you know, grab flies. Let me see. It would be about 2007, Mm-hmm. Six. I was there before, but actually, I was a bicycle racer, and I wow. ride along, <laughs> train along the Collets River all summer long, seeing people fish, and and I'd go out in the fall after my season was over and and fish for steelhead and cutthroat. There was amazing sea run cutthroat hatchery program there, mm-hmm. and uh, and I would see these guys there. You know, they would be spay casting, and. Uh, I eventually gave in and, and bought my rod and started fishing and, and fishing was really good on the collets hmm. then. It was back when they had four runs of steel ahead right. hatchery run, you know. And uh so there was a lot of fish to catch and 
positive reinforcement and, mm-hmm. and uh it's when i started first using a mole leech uh, lost creek flies mike sturza on alaska washington is where i first connected and he gave me some of these mole leeches to try <laughs> um spirit river it, it just started selling them commercial to shops and uh, they were a rabbit you know wrapped around a uh, a braid line and uh, I took him down one evening and I called up Mike and I go, I caught three steelhead wow. bang, bang, bang on these things. So huh. that got me, got me thinking. Yeah. And, uh, and I started experimenting and then I, I, came, I started crab flies because I came up with a fly where you could have a detach where the hook would break loose. Um, if he got snagged, it, it would break at 10 pounds. So you hmm. wouldn't lose your fly. Mm-hmm. And that's what gave birth to grab flies. And I eventually went away from that, but yeah, huh? So, and and grab flies now is for those that don't know. Maybe you can explain a little bit about what you have there as far as products and you know what people right. might get. Well, I'm I'm a specialty steelhead and salmon fly shop, and uh, of course, it's mainly built around flies. But I've expanded out. You know, I do lessons. Um, sell rods, sell everything on the waders and, mm-hmm. and, uh, give lessons. And since I'm small and kind of out and away from, you know, most people 10 miles east of Washougal, Washington, up on the river, upper river of the Washougal. Um, and, you know, I give lessons and I outfit a lot of people when they're starting out and, and, and get them started in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And then also i you know, with the BC fishery and Alaska fishery and Patagonia fishery, um, people seek me out for my flies mm-hmm. uh, because the, uh, it's starting to change now. But for a while there, you couldn't get any good quality flies commercially, so you had to go custom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and how did you get to that point where? People are finding you. I guess it started locally, and now you're doing a lot. Are you doing a lot more kind of online stuff? Or yeah, yeah. online. I would say ninety percent of my business is online. Yep. Um, and I had an online business before, so I used to build websites. So okay, you know, the e-commerce thing was my goal. But uh, gotcha. to actually sell more goods, I had to become a brick and mortar oh. fly shop. Okay, so you, so you are, yeah, totally. Uh, so you are a brick and mortar. You, you can actually, you have a physical. Uh, yeah, I have a physical uh, shop at my home up on the river. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. I don't get that many walk-ins, but I do, and I encourage them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the the good thing is that what I enjoy doing is, is working with people starting out and, mm-hmm. and giving them lessons and outfitting them. And, and then, of course, I have all the local people come by and, buy, you know, fly tying supplies and all that. Nice. Yeah. That's a good, uh, talking about people starting out. That is always a good, I know that I have people in my, uh, you know, people that are listening here that are, they're fairly new to it. Maybe you, uh, have a, a tip or maybe you could talk a little bit about how you get people when they're, when they're new and they first come to, you know, want to catch a steelhead. How, how do you take them through the process or how do you get them started? Well, usually they contact me to take a lesson. They've heard about these things or they've seen people, you know, fishing and they, they want to know how to learn how to spay cast or even single hand. And uh, we take it from there and meet them on the river or I have a casting pond mm-hmm. um, and we give them a lesson. And then they, you know, they want to get their first rod and we take it from there. And then I 
suggest their first flies and and uh, you know I tell them to get back with me and I suggest places they fish and then you know I just give them a lot of customer service there yeah encouragement encouragement because you need it mm-hmm. and uh, and it, we develop a relationship and you know and and they catch a fish I post it on my website and you know that's that's always fun. <laughs> Nice. So in the, you mentioned the, the Cowlitz and Washugo, are, are those kind of your home rivers or do you have a... Um, well, not the Cowlitz so much now. Um, my, my home rivers are the Washugo, Clickitat, Deschutes, in the summer, you know, those are my rivers. In the winter, of course, Washugo has a, a good winter run. Mm-hmm. But then I go to the Olympic Peninsula. In fact, I'm leaving tomorrow morning oh. for a week. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, could you describe how you, uh, you know, how you're successful or how you get new people into fish on either the Washugo or one of the, uh, OP rivers? Um, you know, I make videos, so that has done a lot for me and that people see the success and see the fun, try to make them fun. Mm-hmm. And that reaches out to a lot of people. So, and they usually just email me or call me, get a hold of me. Um, or other people I know, uh, mention my name hmm. and, you know, you want to get started, get a hold of Jeff Layton. Um, so that's how we do start. Okay. And these videos are just, uh, just, uh, YouTube videos you have out there. Yeah. Uh, YouTube and Vimeo, you can actually go to grab flies and click the video link Okay, and you'll see videos. And actually I made two commercial DVD videos away, you know, few years back but now everything's free huh. and you know they're for anywhere from 20 to minutes to 40 minutes long nice. i'll have some more shorter ones coming out this year but oh yeah so you're so you're still doing some dvd stuff or is it mostly youtube no it, not so much because it's just you have to sell a lot of dvds to make money yeah and uh i you know it's it's really about promotion and uh and also you know, you can have a higher quality video online now than you can on the DVD unless you went to Blu-ray. Right. That's true. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The the, the quality yeah. of it is just, Yeah, there seems like there's a there's an app or some software for everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that's cool. Uh so yeah, this is this is awesome. So you you're into, I mean, you got a brick and mortar, uh big online, you've got an online background and you mentioned that you were into, I mean, windsurfing and biking, all sorts of stuff. Is there a uh-huh. time when you look back that was, you think of as kind of a turning point that really in your life that kind of got you into the whole fly fishing for steelhead thing? Is there like one point that, you know, it just seems like, a, I mean, obviously the windsurfing and it's all outdoors related, uh-huh. so it's similar. But is there anything that rings a bell on, on that end for you? Well, you know, when I started and, and I first went to the North Umpqua, and this was like 1970, 71, 72, I guess. Um, and we'd eat lunch in the Steamboat Inn, and that was the day Frank Moore was running it. Oh, cool. And he was so cool. And, and, and it was they had the big maple uh, like picnic table in there. It was just a long table, the long table. And you'd go in there, and you could wear your, you know, your corkers in there, your waiters, and sit down. And they had burgers, and, hmm. and they had a fly tying table that you could go over and tie. And, and the aesthetics were just, you know, beautiful. Hmm. And uh, I remember one time we were 
camping, my friends and I, we were probably freshmen or sophomores in high school, spring break, cool. and nobody was on the river, and we were just dropped off, and we had to walk everywhere to get to the different runs. And Frank Moore would drive by every day going to Roseburg to pick up supplies for the steamboat in, and one day he stops and talks to us. <laughs> hey, boys, where you going? <laughs> I see nice. you every day here. And gave us some advice. And, and, and just the memory of that and what it was all about, you know, a beautiful river and the swing of the fly. Yeah. Um, and occasional you get that reward that you remember and keeps you going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that becomes a part of you. And so when you want that solitude and to get out there, uh, you just always remember that and being living on the Collitz river again, kept calling me hmm. and, uh, and then it was, the timing was perfect. And I just went, full on into it yep and keep going yeah you're pretty much uh, that's that's a story that keeps coming up that i that i hear from people is that definitely anybody that gets uh g- gets into it you, you definitely you get uh the, the feel of the you know that pole but i mean gosh that story you have there on the uh, north humqua that's that's pretty amazing one of the one of the legends of uh you know yeah of all time and had a connection there that's that's really great did do you still yeah. get down there and fish or is that a river you fished uh before you know i i used to fish it about every other year so it's been two years since i've been there mm-hmm. it's basically the only reason is it's been getting so darn warm yeah that it makes it difficult if it would stay a little cooler yeah you know I would get down there more. It's, it's a beautiful river. There were a lot more fish back then, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it, it's still a beautiful river. There are great rivers up here too. I mean, I really love to click at that. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I get there in an hour. Hmm. So uh, I fish it in the mornings and come back. Yeah. Yeah. The click is, uh, three. the, um, yeah, I've talked to a, a couple of people here, um, you know, on the click and it's been, you know, I think we all, everybody, I love it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking a little more, um, you know, about the North Umpqua. I was wondering if you can maybe explain mm-hmm. to, especially somebody who's, who's new to that river, how, how you fish and, you know, how you, how you fish that river. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's a, a ledgy shoot river. I mean, the, the fish travel up these lanes and, so you, you got to know where these spots are and fish them. So, um, you know, there's the famous camp water. If I, if I was a beginner or a first timer going North Umpqua, I'd go to steamboat and just up river from the steamboat is the camp water. And mm-hmm. there's five runs there, five plate. And you can see people fishing and, uh, definitely have some good corkers, some good, mm-hmm. you know, cleats on your boots. It's slippery and a waiting staff. Um, but, uh, there, you know, that's a very famous spot. Another really easy, a much more easier place to fish is Susan Creek. Um, and you can go there and go down river and that's a lot easier to wade. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, the North Hump fish, you know, they do hold a little bit differently because they come up these shoots. I call them, they're just, you know, that rock there. Yeah. And, uh, you can sight fish too. Um, but, uh, you know, and they, and they'll come up to the surface, um, and take a skating fly or, mm-hmm. or take a muddler just underneath the surface, or you can, 
you know, use a wet fly. Yeah. Um, yes. But, uh, the, the thing about the North Humpqua is even if you don't catch fish, you're going to go away going, wow, that was a good experience because it's so pretty. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And you're fishing mostly, uh, yeah, just your typical, um, you know, kind of smaller, uh, you know, wet flies or, you know, any or, yeah. or wakers. You can use, I mean, I, I use small fish tacos and stuff like that. Small Rio tacos that I, I tie, but yeah, I mean, uh, is, is the temperature of the river starts warming? Um, you know, cause a lot of times I'll go there in late June now cause it's been so hot, but, uh, mm-hmm. and the runs just the shoulder season just starting, but, um, you get in July and August, the water's warmed up and, uh, you know, you can start skating and just taking the muddler across or back in the day, my first fish was caught on a green butt, butt skunk. Cool. And that was the fly. But that was the, before we had things like flash and flashaboo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so we had to use that white wing, bucktail wing to, mm-hmm. that illuminated the fly. Right, right. No, that's great. Uh, I was thinking, you know, just about flies and fly tying. That's definitely something you, that's a big part of your business, it sounds like. And that's actually where I first heard about you on uh, on episode uh, number two of, of our show here. I had uh, Jack Mitchell on and he was talking, that's the first time I heard, I think, heard about you. And he was talking about a pattern that was doing really well for him. And he said, go, on, go over to grabflies.com. That's a great thing because, you know, full circle, I eventually talked to you and now I have you on the show here. Could you talk a little yeah. bit about, you know, some of your flies and, you know, maybe right. the flies that you really like to use or some good patterns? Yeah. You know, the, the first flies that I started really tying and pushing were mole leeches, but I, but I, I took them to a whole new level. I mean, um, Derek Fergus, was the inventor of them. But, you know, I started uh, adding flash. I'm, I, I'm the, you know, flashaboo on the outside of them. And uh, the rabbit underneath, since the rabbit rabbit moves a lot in the water, that's, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of silhouette. And then that flashaboo dances over that rabbit and lots of movement. And, uh, and I tried, you know, every different kind of color of flashaboo. And I started coming up with certain color combinations that really worked. And then from there, I spread it out to the other flies. You know, I started all kinds of leeches and intruders. And uh, Skagit leech is the one Jack was talking about. And uh, that's done extremely well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a a color scheme that we call, I call, the Methow from the Methow rivers when I first tried it in the winter and it did extremely good. And, and it's just black and it has blue and chartreuse flash or those colors. Um, and, and then the, uh, schedule each has the grizzly ackle in it oh, okay. and marabou mm-hmm. and it, you can get it in Rhea. You can get it in ostrich too. Okay. Um, and then we started catching really big fish on the OP on them, we, and there's, when I say we, uh, there's a a group of friends of mine and that are associated with the shop, you know, that have been my friends, Dave Robinson and, um, Christian Rapisarda. He's a local dentist around here. Okay. A group of those guys started using those flies and doing really well. And, uh, you know, that's, I keep trying to, uh, 
come up with new combinations and, and to get more movement and silhouette. And, uh, it's just a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, and now you're, you know, able to provide, and those, those flies you mentioned there, um, I'll, I'll provide a link here in the show notes, um, for this episode and maybe okay. uh, link out to these, these flies so people can take a look at them. Uh, but yeah, so you found a couple of winners and some flies that work really well. It seems like also, you know, you talk about flies, it seems everybody has a few or, you know, maybe half a dozen flies and that's kind of what they use. Do you, do you do the same thing now that you have it dialed in or are you still kind of experimenting yeah. with different stuff? Well, I'm always experimenting, but, uh, you know, basically in the winter I could use two flies Yeah, and pretty much in the summer. But, you know, I've found is that, um, the time of the year, the in the river, of course, if it in the clarity and stuff like that, but it, it'll go through a, a pattern, you know, like um, in about May and June, I start going to uh, black, purple, and red. And as, as the summer goes on, that works, 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 works. And then I get up to like about September and then the red starts to turn off a little bit and I just go to black and purple. And then it starts, when the river starts cooling down, then I'll go to that Met How color, that black, blue, and chartreuse. Mm-hmm. And that works really good. And then the winter time, it's, it's primarily two colors. And that would be the, that Met How again, that black, blue, and chartreuse. I use that in the clear water. And then when it's a little bit muddier, I use black, purple, and pink, or black and pink. Mm-hmm. And, and now I even have a black, purple, pink, and some red in it and that's the new one okay but primarily you know it's it's really about fishing a fly that you have confidence in and if you have confidence in it that's the most important thing yep yep getting getting in front of the fish and yeah because if you're casting out there and changing every five casts it's not gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy yeah yeah that's that's true so for the uh for the op are you fishing uh, what sort of line do you like to fish there? Do you use a, a couple of different tips or what's your... Yeah, I change tips a lot. Um, but, you know, Skagit line, I'm a Skagit guy all the way pretty much. Um, and then a lot of times 10 feet of T14 or I use multi-density tips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have uh, one of my... Uh, I have some products that I developed too along with my flies. And I have the Infinity Quick Tips that are coming out. Before that, I have these Infinity Swivel Tips, and they have a swivel on the end that you can just tie your tibbet to, and it's a lot easier and allows the fly to turn, not turn, just rudders itself. So it doesn't get, the tibbet doesn't get any twist in it, and it casts better. Um, and you can use different, and with this Quick Tip, thing i'm coming out with you can make your own dual density tips really easy mm-hmm. like you could have five feet of t11 quickly changed put on the end of it another five feet of t14 or t17 or oh, cool or, yeah so tips are important and more so in the winter and in the, in the summer it's not so important because the fish will move for that fly mm-hmm. but in the winter you know you need to meet them at least halfway yeah it, and on the the on the infinity. Um, so you're saying the infinity, your new product is, uh, the old one was, it's not quite listed yet. And it will be when I get back, but it's, uh, if you go to the website, you can see the infinity, uh, swivel tips. 
which are doing really well and they're popular. Um, and there's like all different kinds of combinations of those. This is taking that and then allowing you not to use a loop-to-loop connection anymore. And it, you, I, I'm not going to until it's released. Sure. I can't tell it. Gotcha. Whole thing. But it's it cuts the changing of your tip down in half. I see. So the the idea is to, to change your tips more often. Yep. You know, without, sure. without it being such a pain. Yeah, and and how do you um, kind of combat the? You know, is there any sort of a, you know, the the problem when you're uh, at the swivel point? Do you, do you see it when you're casting? Is that a, a smooth transition there with the the swivel tip? As far yes, as, yeah, yes, it's. It's you know I use these really high quality swivels. They're very small, but they're like a breaking strength of seventy pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're light enough that they don't drag the bottom or anything like that. Um, and my new system, it has a, a, a rubber coupler that goes over it with an O ring. Oh yeah, that makes it become one. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. That's what I was just thinking. I was kind of picturing in my mind something that was with the swivel at doing a lot of hinging. And I know um, I had yeah. Sim- Simon on here on uh, episode uh, number nine. And, okay. Yeah, and he was talking a lot about the lines and how they were changing things. And that was always a big, you know, from the beginning, a big, uh, you know, a struggle that they were trying to solve is just that change of the, uh, you know, the lines from different densities that, right. You know, if you didn't do it just right, it would it would affect the cast negatively, and it, it sounds like that you've you've solved that as far as the tips because with this extra thing you're putting on here. Yeah, I, I mean, it may not be for everyone, but uh, especially if you're skagit casting, you won't notice it whatsoever. It'll cast very straight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm experimenting though with the fact that on a reach cast that you can actually mend it. You know to the point where it's everything's lined up perfectly. The fly will kick right if you're on river, right, you know, mm-hmm. and be perfectly lined up. Hmm. Um, so the, there is a benefit there. It'd be, it's a more advanced thing, but yeah, definitely it'll cast straight and true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. And probably for, uh, if there was a beginner or somebody new to it, you probably would say, give them a, you know, 10 foot T 11 or T 14 yeah. or something like that. And just have them stick with that for the, for the day. Yeah. But once you start getting to that next level and you want to really dial it in, then, then this would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about when you want to fish those buckets, you know, like North Omqua has a lot of buckets. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bucket fishing on the OP and, uh, you know, all, all of a sudden you need to get down deep in this one little area. So mm-hmm. the tip, you're either going to have to weight your fly very heavy and that kind of kills the action or your tip will have to do it. Yep. And then you come back out of that run and then you're into a classic run and you don't need to get deep anymore. So you're going to have to change your tip or do something. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That sounds like a, sounds like a great product. That's cool. Um, I'll, yeah, uh, I'll note that in the, the show notes as well. I think this episode is, um, this is uh, episode uh, 14, so they, um, okay. anybody can go out to episode 14 here and, and take a look at all these links. And um, so getting back into some more, you know, as far as tips, I mean, these are awesome with the, uh, you know, talking about your products here. Do you have any more general, you know, a tip or two you might provide to somebody to help them get into a, you know, I guess we're talking more winter fish here. Um, mm-hmm. and anything you utilize or you teach people that helps them get into their, their first fish or two? 
Well, you know, with the winter, it's it's a lot about timing and the weather. So you have to, and that's kind of the thing I enjoy about winter is that you have to be in tune with the environment. You know, it's all about rain, especially with the OP. Hmm. You know, is the river rising? Is it is it flooded out? Is it dropping? Is it holding? Um, so that's really important because you could go over there and the, you know, a big front front comes in and the, the rivers get blown out. So if you're new to that area, you got to, you know, and you can, if you're able to watch the weather, uh, it's, you know, always a good idea to get, go over there when the rivers are dropping. Yeah. Fresh, fresh fish have come in with a freshet, you know, the rain and now the river's dropping. And then what happens then is the fish start holding, uh, a moving fish is a lot harder to catch. A lot of times they'll swim right by, you'll watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always do have to rest. So if you can get them behind a rock or something, that's, you know, they'll take a fly then. But when they, when the river stops dropping, starts dropping, they'll start holding and, uh, you know, the fishing success starts going up. And also, of course, the river's clearing and, and you can get at them a little easier. So that's real important to keep in mind. Um, and then you have a lot of choices of rivers over there. There is a lot of traffic, but yeah. you know, rivers like the Ho and stuff like that. There's a lot of walk-ins places, hmm. so so you can get away from you know, some you, of the the crowds. Yeah, if you're willing to walk, and also keep in mind that, that uh, these fish are moving. So you know, every 15 minutes, if a person was fishing there and they've left 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, it's a whole new river yep. and you, you could have fresh fish coming in and they haven't seen that person's fly so <laughs> your fly would be the first one they see nice yeah uh, so basically yeah that is a great uh a great point to remember especially with winter fish it's it's like the, the, the next day or the next you know there's always new fish yeah. coming through so you it's not like trout fishing where somebody is in there slamming your water and that's seen a zillion yeah. flies this you know so that's that's a good point yeah yeah and, uh, and, you know, you don't have to drag bottom. Now, and another thing I think that, uh, people starting out in the winter is they always think I got to get deep. That river's so high and swollen when the river is high with a lot of water, most of the time the fish will be right along the bank. It pushes them to the bank. Yeah. So opposite of what you would think is I'll, a lot of times I go to lighter tips and higher water. And I swing it, swing it to the bank. It's when it gets clear and low, then they start holding in the deep. Mm-hmm. Then I have to put on the sink tips to get down in that bucket, that place that they will be holding where they feel safe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's a kill. That's a killer tip for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the, the point. Don't forget about that inside water, that water that some people, t- you know, can step yeah. over and all that. They're, they're in there tight. Yeah. I mean, you go to BC if you ever fish the Skeena River. You know, it's amazing yeah. how close those fish are to the bank. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, that's 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 totally true. That was a that was one. Uh, Rob um, had Rob Rice on here um, in uh, episode ten, and he made the point about how close those fish were fishing in. Uh, that's that exact point, and even into some of the kind of the off-channel water, kind of hanging mm-hmm. hanging behind around some of the salmon. He thought, but. Um, no, it's definitely a good tip. Um, well, what do you think? Getting back to to flies, you know, you mentioned, you mm-hmm. know, some of the good patterns that work for you. What do you think out of all the steelhead patterns? 
you know, what do you think is makes it an effective pattern? What do you think is the most important thing? If somebody's tying up a, you know, they're sitting uh-huh. there, they're tying up an intruder, you know, they got all these mm-hmm. materials. If they want to just, what do you think is the most important thing about that fly? Uh, most important, well, a couple things. Silhouette, you need silhouette. You know, that's what they're responding to more than probably anything. You know, if you had to choose one color, I would choose black, which isn't even a color, but mm-hmm. black, because it produces the most silhouette. The next thing would be movement. You need, you know, your fly to move, the materials to breathe in the water. And when you tie your creation and then you go out in the river, look at it in the water. You know, is it moving or is it just dead still hmm. like a classic fly? Yep. Um, so if you can get movement in there, I think the biggest problem is that to get the silhouette, a lot of times we put too many materials on. And, and you get half a chicken going on there <laughs> and it, it doesn't sink and, and then it's not moving. It's just a blob. So it's like, I like to tell people is that every, uh, material you're putting on your creation, it should have earned its spot reason to be there rather than thinking, Oh, maybe I'll add a little of this. Oh, this is, I have this nice material. I have this. And, uh, you know, so think about it in that you want silhouette, of course, color, different color combinations, and movement. Silhouette and movement are the most important thing. And then size. A lot of times it's not even about changing flies. It's just about changing sizes. So, you know, I've taken it, you know, gone out to eight inches before, and, you know, but pretty much now it's like four to two and a half inches, four to two inches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can, you know, the four inches, of course, you have more silhouette and then you can start c- cutting it down for the small flies, but same, sometimes the same color will work, but it's just a different size. Okay. And so, um, and what are you using, um, as far as just typical shanks kind of, uh, um, you know, I, I cut my own shanks, mm-hmm. so I'll take a, a, a saltwater mustad hook and just cut it. I mean, uh. OP has some shanks, you yeah. know, there are shanks out there, but I just cut my own. And I, I, since I started tying so many mole leeches when I first started, I got used to tying between two vices. So I tie a lot between two vices. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll, when I use braid line from the shank to the stinger hook, um, I'll stretch it between the two vices. And, uh, you know, I use pretty heavy braid there. And then I'll kind of unique thing that I do is I'll use diamond braid, um, a lot of times and I'll wrap over that braid line and super glue it on, mm-hmm. or I'll do a dubbing loop and, and spin it over that braid line. Like it is a shank, but it's not. And another thing is you got to, even with uh, long tube flies or long shanks, when they cast, let's say you have a four-inch shank or four-inch tube, when you cast, that's like casting a stick sideways through the air. <laughs> Where, you know, with a wire or like I do, it, it'll bend it a little bit, so it's more aerodynamic when it goes through the air, and you'll yep. feel the difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, some of the stuff, yeah, is, is pretty huge. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I was chatting with somebody at the uh, the Sportsman Show. Um, actually, it was um, the guy from Fairflies, and he's got this interesting product, which is like a um, 
it's basically one material. It's like it's it's essentially a, a fly. It, all everything is in one shot. So you just you just do one spin of the material, pretty much, mm-hmm. and you got yourself a finished fly. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'll, oh, those big brushes. Yeah, exactly the brushes. Yes, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, the brushes. Yeah, so I was uh, kind of checking those out, um, and yeah, it was interesting because you know it's not like. I mean, fly tying is fun and great and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all that, but sometimes making things really sim- simple, simplifying yeah. it can, can help, especially people get uh, new to it. So I'm going to, I'm going to be tying a few of those up just to, just to test them out. And uh-huh. um, they definitely look easy. You know, the, the one question I think like you're saying is the, maybe the biggest uh, struggle people have is like, you know, how big do you get it? And, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do you make sure, well, and you don't want to get too thin either because you want it to have some of that movement. Yeah, that silhouette. Um, yeah, really important. Exactly. So that's one of those one of those things. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. Do you have any, um, you know, fly tying like a fly tying tip? That, that's kind of a sometimes a hard question. To, but I do get a lot of people that are that I talk to that are new to, new to fly tying. Any anything mm-hmm. you want to throw out there to help somebody getting started? Um. Well, it's it's, it's good. Well, there's a lot of resources now. You know, there's videos. Yeah. Uh, you know, people will swing by my shop a lot of times and, and they'll ask questions and I'll show them on the vice. Um, I think one of the things as far as when you're tying, let's say uh, you're tying a leech or intruder for your first time, um, you want to prop that up a little bit because when you're wrapping your marabou on um, and it looks nice and full and fluffy, but there's nothing behind it to hold it up. Mm-hmm. It'll collapse onto that shank or tube and you'll look like a, just a little thin pencil. Yep. So if you can put prop hackle or you do a dubbing ball mm-hmm. that, and also think about, um, when you start adding all these materials, the float factor. So Sometimes you just got to put a weighted cone or, or eyes, intruder eyes, just to neutralize right. it in the water. But, uh, yeah, keep mm-hmm. it simple. Yep. Keep yep. it s- simple. And, uh, again, like I said, if I had to choose one color, black, and you'll catch fish yeah. on it. Yeah, that's so, that's probably the uh that's probably the, the best tip right there i know the uh the egg sucking leech i've probably caught more mm-hmm. fish on that just simple yeah you know a little bit of marabou on top and a pretty much a black fly with an egg on the front is, is just you know pretty pretty, yeah. pretty good pattern yeah that and a woolly bugger or something mm-hmm. like that um, especially for summer you know and you're going to catch plenty of fish yeah for sure well turning uh you know things uh uh, talking about something a little bit different here as far as the business um you know it sounds mm-hmm. like you're, you're you've got a you know a successful business going here and you're connecting with a lot of people how you know I, I definitely get a few questions from people that are either want to get into guiding or you know mm-hmm. tying flies for a living or you know just kind of everything out there in, in the industry what, what would you tell mm-hmm. somebody that that was new to it that wanted to kind of maybe get to where you're at uh you know eventually was well, it easy? Was it easy for you? Was this like a pretty uh... no? Well, the, the website was easy because that's what I used to do. Yeah, but um, you know, for me, it was like I didn't plan on on this becoming my only business. It just kind of everything kept leading that way, and uh, you know, things changed. Like I didn't, you know, I don't really build websites for a living anymore. You can 
you know, make your own website now yeah. with the tools and the apps out there. So, um, you know, it's more about passion. So if you're really passionate about it, I'm um, willing to put hours. I mean, you're not going to make that a ton of money fly dying. I mean, it's materials are expensive and, mm-hmm. you know, people are only willing to pay so much for a fly. But if you're passionate about it, um, then the hours don't matter so much. But uh, start small and just keep going. Um, promote yourself, you know, social media and all those things that I don't do very well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I could do that a lot more. Right. But, uh, and also, um, you know, the flies that I sell um, and the things I use catch fish. So, you know, I feel very good about that and, and I get that feedback and I get returning customers year after year after year um, because they catch fish. So mm-hmm. go out and use your creation um, and, uh, you know, a picture says a thousand words and, and uh, if you have a product, that, and a lot of people are um, money rich and time poor. Yeah. So they don't have the time to tie the flies or, or no. whatever you're going to offer your services. Um, and, but they have the money. So you're, you know, they find you, they'll seek your product out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about, uh, what about people? You mentioned a couple people here that, uh, you know, were you fished with, do you have any, uh, mm-hmm. m- uh, mentor or two folks that help you, you know, along the way to, to get to where you're at? You know, I always wanted a, a mentor, um, basically is just, you know, like Frank Moore was a real inspiration because mm-hmm. I'd see him guiding when we drive up and down the river and, and uh, in my mind, I'd always, you know, that was something I wanted it to aspire to be. Um, but you know, it's just when you get a group group of friends and you can get feedback and share information, um, like my friend, Dave Robinson, um, he keeps notes and he's always trying to become a better fisherman and he's always, you know, pushing us to, uh, to try to, to be better fishermen. Um, and I do that with him and other friends. Yeah. Um, that is really helps and they'll see things and and report to you or when you go fishing. Hmm. Um, and then when you see somebody really good on the river, stop, take the time, watch, see what they're doing, see how they fish the run. Uh, you know, they're just not casting and, and stepping down. They're doing other things too. They're, they're looking for structure. They're looking, you know, why are they fishing there? Yep. Um, and take note and also take note when you're fishing, if you catch a fish and steelhead in this spot, chances are you're going to catch there again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what guides basically do is they know that river and they've caught fish here over and over and over. Of course on the OP and things like that every year that the river changes, but (laughs) you know, they take note again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, do you find over there it changes, uh, I mean, uh, uh, well, I guess depending on how big the, uh, the flood or the, you know, the water mm-hmm. year is and stuff like that. But, um, you, you find some runs that are, um, I guess a lot of them over there are boulder type runs. So there's water, uh, rock and things like that moving around quite a bit. No, a lot of them aren't, but like the whole river, I, I had about six honey spots, you know, su- sweet spots. And for years I'd fish those spots and I went after, a, you know, huge flood 
few years back and the whole river changed. I mean, that run had completely switched the half mile to the other side of the canyon. Sure. So, you know, because of the trees come down, things move. Yeah. Um, There are some rivers that, you know, that don't move so much, you know, the lower Bogachill or the Sole Duck, pretty stable. Um, But the Ho will move, Quinault moves, Queets. Queets stays pretty stable. Yeah. All right, and are you oh, fishing uh, all? I mean, you're kind of hitting. Uh, I mean, you mentioned all the uh, bunch of the big rivers. Yeah, are you hitting them all out there. Yeah, I, I, I fish them all. I just, I mean, not all at the same time. Yeah, it's time of year. How many people? The traffic. Some rivers do better at certain times of the year, um, and the o, the OP is so popular now. It's getting pretty crowded. So yeah. I'll, I'll seek out tougher areas to get to or float just to get, you know, get away. So you're doing a little bit of, uh, a little bit of boat and walk in type yeah. fishing. Yeah. When I go by myself, I walk in, uh, when I meet up with a friend, we float. Uh huh. Cause you know, we can do our own shuttle. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I just have a, a pump up pontoon frame, uh, frameless, so, sure, sure. You can pack it in wherever. Yeah. What? Um, so, if somebody was new to uh, the OP system and all the rivers mm-hmm. out there, what what would be what would you recommend they do to, you know, kind of have a shot at getting into a fish? Where 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 would they start? And you know, as far as I would yeah. recommend starting at the hole, mm-hmm. um, because there's lots of walk in. And you could go to Morgan's Crossings, like a mile post seven, I think. Um, and it's probably one of the best places. Um, a lot of boats launch from there, but if you just walk up a little bit, you'll be above them. But that would be a good place. And then start driving up and down the road and see where people pull over. Um, sometimes you got to walk quite a ways, but uh, and just take note. But that 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 is a a pretty easy river to fish and that was one of my favorites you know still is because uh i've done well there Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh that would be a good place to start um yeah and then when you there you know bogachiel is a good river but it's hard it's a little bit harder to get around i mean your access points are a little bit less but uh Mm -hmm. those would be the best rivers to start with Okay, perfect. And what about you? I, um, we talked a little bit about resources. Um, you know, is, do you know of a, a good, I mean, I think, you know, obviously somebody local connecting with them is a good way, but as far as online resources or any other resource to help somebody, say, if they were going over to the OP to, to get started or, you know? Um, yeah, you know, like I say, I have some videos out there. There are other people with videos out there, you know, a lot of this where to fish on the OP and stuff or anywhere is a little bit guarded, you know, because we yeah. don't, it, we can make a lot of people mad too. <laughs> if you yeah. start telling all the secret spots, but yeah. the, the main thing is like, if you can go over there, you can see where people fish and take note. And, and when you first go over there, don't go over there with high expectations, especially this, this year, last year, Hopefully, mm-hmm. I think things are going to start turning around for 1920. Uh, the runs will, come back a little bit better is because we had then 14 and 15 2000 we had that uh, 
warm blob, yeah. that dead zone. And that even affected BC fishery. So mm-hmm. it takes the wild fish a little bit longer to come back, but um, it, it should be getting better. So if you're going over there this winter, just, I always call it a scouting trip. Yeah, for sure. Low expectations, go over there and scout. I'm there to learn. I may catch something, but I'm really there to learn and, and take note. Yep. Um, put your time in. Often time. Yeah, put your time in and off the time that pays off. Nice. You know, with a fish. Yeah, for sure. Uh what about just a um you know, keeping on the 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 tips um you know, I casting is you know something I talked to a lot of you know guests mm-hmm. I've had um you know had Pete Humphreys on on episode 7 who really broke down the a lot of the spay casting and uh, uh-huh. had some other guests talk about, but do you have a, you know, a, a tip that you, I mean, do you do some teaching a casting or is that, yes. and, and you do yeah. some guiding as well? Um, I don't do guiding. I, what I do is I call steelhead coaching, um, which is more instructional. Okay. So I, we go out and I teach you how to read the water, present your fly, um, different scenarios, how to play the fish, how to tail the fish, stuff like that. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, so for, a, sorry, what, what, well, yeah. So for a casting, if you had a, uh, oh, yeah, just, just as far as spade casting, is there a, a tip that you uh-huh. usually give some, I mean, I know the, I've had just from my guests, I mentioned some tips that, you know, one of them was just about changing your hand, you know, location, things like that. But do you see a common struggle with people that are, that are kind of getting started in it? Yeah. Um, you know, when I give lessons, we go through like four points to the spay cast. But, um, you know, slow it down hmm. because let the rod do the work and let that line load the rod um, and try to get that anchor placement just right, um, you know, within 15 rod lengths away from you. Um, if it's too close to you, throw it back down, mm-hmm. do it again. I've had students put their flies in, not with me, but when they're on their own, hook themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, wear eyewear. You know, wear sunglasses. Yep. Of course, you're going to have barbless hooks. But that anchor placement and slowing it down. And, um, you know, when you first go out, when I have beginners, you know, we, we go through a, a roll cast, um, a switch cast. It's just a roll cast with movement in the line. Um, because that's how every cast ends up to be, you know, Mm -hmm. you're setting your anchor for all the other points. So when you lose it, just go back to there and, you know, make that cast over and over again, because you're, you're getting your D loop and then you're, you're getting the, you're right up into that critical position and then driving forward with a stop. Mm -hmm. Um, but mainly People will email me or call me up and they said, oh, my casting went to pieces. You know, I said, <laughs> slow it down. Yeah. Get your anchor plate. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and also rod tip close to the water. Mm. Almost everybody that starts out, they want to start their cast with a rod five, six feet off the water. That's right. It's like you don't really have anything to do, you know, to work with. So just that rod should be a... When you're starting your cast, right down by the water, foot off the water. So when you're starting to move that rod, the line's moving, you're starting to load the rod, um, those kinds of things. Yeah. But slow slow it down. Yeah, that's a good 
That's a good tip for sure. You you mentioned uh, barbless hooks. Is that is that a, a requirement on on those rivers over there, or is that uh, yes? Okay, so yeah. And I know that's not the case, um, you know, everywhere out here. And I was it was funny because I was talking to. Um, like I mentioned, uh, Simon on, uh, episode nine, I think it was, and he, we were talking a little bit about Atlantic salmon and back on the, the rivers over there and, you know, kind of Scotland and stuff. And a lot of guys over there, you know, the two fly is still mm-hmm. pretty common, uh, hook they use, yeah. you know, the double mm-hmm. fly for a few yeah, different the reasons, double hook. the double hook. Yeah. And, uh, I yeah. guess it kind of makes it ride. Um, they like how it makes the fly ride and it also makes it rides really stable. Exactly. So wing really. Yep. Totally, which which makes complete sense, and then, but guys are also using even spay hooks or uh, treble hooks over there still. Um, which yeah, I didn't even realize, which is which is yeah. pretty crazy. But um, so yeah, so barbless hook. That's uh, I mean, I guess obviously that's a great uh, you know a point and something we should probably all be doing. But you know, the op has gone there. Has that been the, that way for a while? I yeah, almost every river. Well, the OP and then all the rivers in, in Washington that flow into the Columbia have to be barbless in the state of Washington. So that's all, yeah, right? Yeah, anywhere there's wild fish. So there you go. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, yep. Yeah. And that's yeah. not... That's, and Washington has has quite a few different rules, like as far as can't take the fish out, the wild fish out of the water. That's right. Um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely barbless hooks. But, you know, again, like I like to use owner hooks, um, size two, you know, small hooks, but strong. And they have some um, curve to them. So they, they stay in the fish pretty good. And that's, yeah. but they will come out and these smaller hooks don't really hurt the fishes as much as a large traditional, you know, why Try not it. hook. When it- Kind so, of, yeah, that's right. All the leverage is really tearing it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, yeah, if you have a, if you keep a, you know, keep the fish tight on, you should be able to land it with mm-hmm. a, with the barb, a barbless hook for sure. Right. Yeah. And like fishing with a barbless hook and casting, slack is your enemy. So try to eliminate that. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're getting uh, down there, uh, Getting close here, Jeff. What did you um, want to share? A good. I always love to hear uh, maybe a good fishing story. Do you do you have a, maybe a you know a memorable steelhead moment or maybe a crazy story you want to share? <laughs> I I have a lot a lot of them. Um, nice. I mean, one of my videos earlier videos that I did go to DVD on was called Real Scream, and uh, believe it or not, it was like June on the Clickitat. And, um, I hook into this steelhead and it jumps a couple times. It's big, really big. And I'm excited and, and it looks like I'm getting things under control and then it's, it goes and it spools me. It goes 200 yards like a freight train <laughs> and, um, it just keeps going until it hits that rapids and it's by and, uh, on the, on the, DVD, I, I make fun of it. And I, uh, I use the Beatles song thing like, uh, I got blisters on my fingers. I was, I was doing everything to put more pressure right. on that. And you couldn't stop them. Yeah. But yeah. So that, those are, those are the fish that you lose. Yep. And I had one like that on the hoe. Um, it's probably 30 pounds. Jeez. And I had it on for 45 minutes and I finally, 
it kept going down the run and I couldn't follow it. So I'd work it back up, work it back up. And I finally got it onto shore and I was, you know, close to shore and I was getting ready to tail it. And it, and it was so thick that even in about two feet of water, a foot and a half of water was starting to bottom out. Hmm. And that's with big fish. You just, you, they wow. start hitting bottom in about a foot and a half of water, foot of water. Yeah. And, and so I'm walking down to it and I have a lot of tension on my rod and I'm about 10 feet away and I'm just, I see that tail and I'm going for it. And all of a sudden, boom, my, it appears that my hook came out hmm. and that fish starts swimming away and I, and I just pounce on it yep. and, and get all wet and it keeps going. <laughs> Got away. And then I, I pick up my uh, huh. line and I just, you know, I can't believe it. And my hook broke right up by the hook. Oh, it broke? Not, yeah, the hook broke um, wow. in half up by the shank up high. And uh, Crazy. Yeah, so things like that. Yeah. That's it was a, in one of my videos, earlier videos. Oh, cool. Too. So we can find, uh, you, we could, oh, is that a DVD or can we find that online? Yeah, I think that one was in DVD, so you won't be able to find that. Okay. Maybe someday I'll release all that. Gotcha. Gotcha. But you'll still but, be, like you said, you still post some other, you'll be posting more yeah. videos and things like that? Yeah. I, a couple of year I usually do. I'll have one coming out in May. It's called Home Waters. It'll be about what I, we did last year locally around here and the Washugo, Klickitat, and Deschutes. Um, and then, you know, last November I had uh, the BC uh, video that I posted on YouTube. And then last year, last May, I had the OP one, which mm-hmm. a lot of people have watched. Um, cool. So those are fun. And, and the videos are fun. They're, they get yeah. you pumped up. Good, good. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some of those. I'll definitely uh, provide some links so people can check those out in the uh, you know um, as I mentioned in the show notes here. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get some people connected to you and, and get some people fired up to get into some more steelhead. And I'm I'm uh, the OP is uh, kind of still one of the places I need to get out to. So hopefully uh, I can I can put together here. But um, so you, the next six months sounds like you got a couple things. You got a new product coming out. You got um, yep. some some more videos. Anything else you want to share to uh, you know have people be aware of? I would just say that um, hang in there because you know uh, fishing's a little bit tough right now. But I, I've seen this before where you'll have some good years and bad years. It, it comes back around yep. and. Uh, you know, being a fly fisherman, we're also out there for more than just the fish and, and, uh, but they will come and, uh, enjoy everyone you get. Cause they're, you know, uh, such a fun thing to have in our lives. For sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, great way to, way to leave it. Uh, cool, Jeff. Well, uh, anything else you want to, want to add or anything else I miss as far as stuff you have going on? No, I think we, we got a lot out there and, you know, I, I've been listening to your podcast and as I tie flies, I listen to oh, podcasts cool. this Wednesday cool. and I'm really enjoying, enjoying it and keep it up. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, I think I mentioned, I think I might've said episode 15. This will either be episode 15 or 14. I can't remember exactly where that, uh, which one, but either way we'll have okay. it out there pretty soon. And, uh, you're coming in right after I could tell you just in the queue I had, um, uh, kind of a let's see i had we talked bc on one episode then we talked uh deschutes summer and then we talked um then we actually got into some midwest i got a couple of midwestern um 
uh, Michigan, some people we talked. So, yeah, there's a few episodes, right, uh, that are going to be coming up that are really, really interesting and really good ones. So I think that um, all those will be great, and this will just add to some of the great information. So if people want to find you, is uh, so grabflies.com is the best yep, place? Yeah, grabflies.com. Um, you can email me from there or whatever. That's probably the, the best way. Cause, um, but uh, email me, call me. Cool. And uh, enjoy the website, and uh, thank you. All right. Sounds good, Jeff. Okay, I'll I'll direct people your way. If you have any questions, definitely um, um, any of the fisheries up there and flies and all that stuff. So I wanted to to thank you again for coming on and taking a little time to share your knowledge. And I I know people will get a lot of uh, help out of this episode, so I appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered in this episode, go to wetflyswing.com slash grabflies. That's G-R-A-B-F-L-I-E-S dot com. If you like the tips in this episode, go to wetflyswing.com slash free and get the Steelhead Tips PDF Quick Guide, which includes a summary of all the best tips from the episodes to date. If you get a chance, please share this episode so we can help one other person get into their first steelhead. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and maybe even seeing you on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.